Hello, Sorensen Sound. It's kind of amazing how, like, a few days in a routine where it's just, like, one that you're thrown into. And I sometimes hesitate to say thrown into because I feel as though this is kind of the appearance of my life in many ways, is that most people think I'm very, like, calculated or I have, like, I'm very determined and all of this and while I am a rather like organized person and I do like always know what I'm doing I the experience uh in body has been rather chaotic in comparison to like oh like you have all this stuff planned every day like you're hanging out with a friend you have this meeting you have like this interview this that the other thing and it's like very by the book and I have to leave at a certain time but I really enjoy getting lost in worlds, um, and that could be something as simple as like a city walk with a friend in a new neighborhood, but as much as there's like time allotted to that, I so thoroughly believe in just having that be as vivid of an experience as possible, that I come out of it, like I come back home at the end of the day, and I'm like, whoa, that was a whirlwind, it felt chaotic, um, But to most people, it was like, oh, like, no, you did everything you planned to do that day. And it's kind of like, it's a weird balance of that perception on the outside and translating experiences. And I think that's why, in general, I've had quite a difficult time in my life, kind of getting people to, like, (laughs) understand where I'm coming from, I guess, because... The things that I, I look as though I always have some illusion of external control, and while that may be true, it's for the sake of like an internal deep dive, if that makes sense. And I'm watching some Zane Lowe interviews, uh, specifically, I just watched the Alex Turner one um, from a few months ago with following the release of the car, which I guess is actually a year ago. And then because uh, being funny in a foreign language with the 1975 came out at a similar time, I'm also watching that interview as well. And I think that um, something Maddie Healy said kind of summarizes, like, he summarized something very well, or I found it very poignant, rather. Uh, And it's the idea that for him, he was talking about how adults that journal are probably people that have done it since they were like 12 and it's just like you kind of feel weird if you don't journal most days or that kind of sensation and I'm very much that I fall into that camp where it's if I'm feeling a certain way or I want to process something I'm going to journal about it because that's where I go and his version of journaling was always this band and so the music and all of that um is his own that's his outlet but beyond like an outlet of like oh someone goes for a run that's his journal and the band is his journal it's his internal exploration is projected onto the world I think to me that's kind of like the final layer of understanding extroversion and introversion is that like extroversion extroversion is like the world is where this is all taking place uh the outside world (laughs) I guess would be a slightly more specific generalization (laughs) Whereas for me, it's always been so deeply internal in a way that like I would always relate a lot more to 
the Alex Turners of the world, even though, like, I felt at odds, despite the fact that the 1975 and Arctic Monkeys were popular, both, like, at the height of fame in 2013, like, they had a similar origin. I, I hesitate to say that because Arctic Monkeys obviously came about much earlier and gained fame in the UK much earlier, and I don't want to use an American lens to look at this um but that is certainly where a niche like core identity of a fan base of consumption not that we're always going to identify art by who consumes it but um kind of aside the point I um I felt at odds liking these two people because (laughs) they're they're so deeply different like you have to really scavenge for any information on Alex Turner because it's just such like a person so removed from the media and doesn't like and nothing spills over and it's a degree of control where I that's I feel as though for the most part or from what I've gathered from what I've been told is that's much more akin to how I come across but then I feel a lot more like Maddie Healy because I know that my internal worlds are so hectic and they follow I mean, we think about, Mahila and I think about very different things, uh, but it's, it's just like those trajectories, trajectories, and I guess that after hearing him say that, it makes sense, because it's just the mind of someone who journals externalized. Like, it's left their journal, it's found a sound, it's found a part of the world that it's carved out, because he had to make his own, um, like no big labels came to find them so they had to make their own label they had to create their own universe in a way and so when you experience that as someone who's so internal it's like oh yes I've finally found not what I'm looking for but something that I resonate rather heavily with um and it's just really cool to see that whereas with Alex Turner I found myself after watching his interview trying like I've seen a few of his favorite movies before from like if I've in past interviews I've watched if he recommends something in passing I'll be like oh like I'll go watch that uh and that's why that's how I ended up seeing one of my favorite films the film form called the circle rouge uh the red circle crazy crazy how basic of a translation that was and yet I still felt the need to do it because my mind (laughs) for some reason harps on being so literal at times. Um, just to qualify just for direct expression, I always want to get my point across as directly as possible because I feel as though my internal world is crazy and so lessens the experiences, lessens the chances of greater um, forays into misunderstanding. Because it feels so I am often misunderstood because of the whole internal-external world debacle. And that's why watching these back-to-back helps me uh, better understand how to expel that. And I think it also leads into why... I think because my kind of process would be like... Have a very organized schedule. Have a list of things to kind of get done and then my experience of it is a little chaotic when I made the podcast that was a very intentional act like you do that and you I for a while I held the schedule with it and it was this that the other thing it was very 
much like a motivated effort that someone's that my friends could see from the outside where I would schedule some interviews with them you know and but to me when I'm like recording an episode like this even the ones where I had planned them out rather well I always get into my own head and I always go on a journey with it I don't really like the act of recapping I like kind of breaking new ground even if that means that my language is kind of awkward or it's not the most poignant or poised um I'm okay with that because that's what's more fun to me I've always been someone this has been a problem in my life with my friends where I don't like uh, most people don't no single person knows everything about me because I really don't like telling the same story twice I don't like saying something about myself multiple times because I'm like well I've heard it once that's enough right (laughs) you know and and that's something I had to learn by watching other people around me where I see them in different settings with different groups of people and they tell the same story about something that happened to them recently multiple times with slightly different like points kind of like how a comedian refines the routine and it's you get to the essence of something and I was always just so much about the journey that I didn't, I guess in a way, I didn't have much respect for the art of storytelling, even though I loved hearing those things from my friends. And that's something that I really wanted to practice with the podcast. Um, but I knew that that would be its own up and down kind of thing. And I've finally gotten here where as much as journaling is still very important to me and I'm still trying to navigate the differences of when I want to journal versus when I want to do a podcast episode. Podcasting has become that to me, and I can see how easily, once you have the skills to make music, how that could become its own progress. And I was honestly, after the Alex Turner interview, I was looking at some like progress, some analyses of Arctic Monkeys albums over time and how their sound has changed because something Zane Lowe brought up was that for the most part, every single album seems rather unrelated, even in the sound, even in the way Alex sings. It's just, like, it's always a bit of a 180. And I saw that in a former interview, Matt Halder is also part of the band. I realized I'm throwing names around as though people would innately understand. I'm sure on some level you do, because these are very popular musicians. But Matt was saying that he very much felt that there was a through line within the band where it's you when you finish a project it's kind of innately the start of another one and it'll be like this is complete but then there's still some kind of momentum I guess that would start off the next thing but then each album's kind of its own project and it was interesting to get an analysis of that sound there's one video in particular that was looking at um interviews Alex would give even when he went to like the last shadow puppets and the submarine EP uh, which were other ventures outside of arctic monkeys themselves and be like oh this is how his voice has changed this is kind of this other presentation but this is that's more an exercise in form and i don't know it's interesting to me because people will be like i think people ask the wrong questions so often in life and not that there could be a right one but it's just like it's it's like if you have a graph that's showing you how many passengers take the train 
on during which months of the year uh, writership in other words um and you're asking well why can't i see what they ate that day and i was like well um what are you talking about actually like you could want to know that there's nothing wrong with it but it's just kind of like unrelated would have been the more direct way to say that and people would be I think in general when musicians change sound with their album a lot like they're not being repetitive they're kind of, it's a question of like identity on some level because fans want to be able to say like oh this band is a part of me and when they're changing they're like no stop because they want their identity to be fixed and so they're projecting it onto somebody else and it's like I think it's even more interesting when a band is able to move through music the way Arctic Monkeys have side note it's always really weird to not say the before a band but they're not the Arctic Monkeys they're just Arctic Monkeys and then it's the 1975 it's not 1975 it's I don't like it but I try really hard to stick to the language even though I doubt anybody cares it's still like I don't know I I try and be correct (laughs) when I can especially given how much I fuck up my grammar generally when I speak because I'm just tripping over my words to get to the next idea because I can't keep up with myself and I have to say my side notes before I lose the main point which I think might be happening now. No, it's not. Um, The main point just being that with each album, the sound is the best expression for the point of what they're trying to say at that that era in their lives. And Alex was talking about how, like, the pace is one of the most notably different things. With uh, whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not, to the car, as well as the length of the name. But the songs generally, like, the words per song have about halved, even though the actual length of them is honestly, like, a bit longer than on their first album, their debut. Um, But he said that it's that same kind of intuition. And I think that's kind of what drives me as well as like your intuition is going to be headed towards different things and as I feel very akin to Alex Turner and the like that kind of internal world building element uh though I'm not as I love film but I'm not as into it as him where he now has his own like little uh film company that uh, like shot his own music videos and directed them and all that kind of cool stuff it's so to me, it's not as there's not as much of a storytelling element as I've always felt more like I'm just on a perpetual adventure rather than definite cycles. Even though I love to analyze cycles, to me, it's always ongoing. Anyway, um, so each album will explore how it like fits into this world, but then it travels on, and it's just it's a really interesting form, and. Ultimately, all bands follow a certain intuition, and that's something Maddie Healy was then getting at, where he was talking about how, like, My Bloody Valentine started and ended something. So then when bands try and replicate that sound, it's not going to work because, like, it's not, (laughs) like, it's over. It was a moment in time, 
and the entire sometimes like genres can obviously hold multitudes of bands that's how or groups artists not necessarily bands um but it's only sometimes the genre is standalone i guess <laughs> like and that's kind of all there is to it and it gets back like i'm for my masters i'm studying organization management and strategy and in strategy classes, uh, or you talk about, well, you talk about a lot of things, and I'm suddenly blinking on everything. But there's the idea of just like, it's very simple, but your competitive advantage. And I kind of take qualms with like that, like competitive advantage, core competency, any of that. Because while it can be useful if you're looking at internal, external analysis, like, whatever, uh, to me, like, it's all ways of saying, like, why is this company, why is this organization what it is? And being who I am, I always translate that to, like, oh, why is a person who they are? And so many companies, like, there's a, I've had multiple classes talk about the Honda um, case studies where it's, like, the one that BCG did versus their kind of like more internal report. And people always talk about how they're so at odds with each other where one is like, oh, this is why Honda works so well. Like they're killing it um, because they had this genius strategy. And then you go to Honda and they're like, yeah, we just kind of like got in where we could. And everyone's like, oh, like which one's right? Which one's not? I'm like, it's the same thing. Uh, th- like uh, it's it really annoys me. Uh, because BCG is more like you're analyzing history to see takeaways that could apply to other points in time, whereas the like it kind of goes. It's like a if you take what I've been talking about for myself, where I plan things but then it feels chaotic. It's like taking that and projecting it onto an an additional dimension of time, where like I go where I find footing. And I like I make the footing for myself, and Honda makes the footing by looking for opportunities. But they kind of just haphazardly ended up in LA. But then in a post market analysis, you could be like, "That's where there was space," and it's like, "No, I was looking for space, and this is where it happened to be." And so it's like BCG is when people look at me and they're like, "Oh, you're so motivated, determined, calculated," and I'm out here feeling like I'm Honda, just like randomly ending up places. I chose some kid in college to make my ads. And they're like, oh, they tapped into, like, the mind of this. And it's like, oh, that's actually just what fit with my budget. But And I was looking for an ad. So it's not that... And so, I mean, ultimately, it goes back to the idea of perspective. And I say it goes back to, but that might be something I've only been journaling about lately. Um, so going back is a little generous of a <laughs> reference point. But it's just, like... I wrote an email to my friends, which there was one part I opened. I can pause this message, but I feel like ah, I can talk as well. What am I going to say? Who knows? I feel like I keep... I learned a term recently that I forgot that I could also just look up right now but it was in a particular video so i'd rather just find the video in my youtube history 
but I've been watching a lot of YouTube since I deactivated Instagram, which I feel like is better because at least it's more long-form content, and I've been watching a lot of people just talking, like, I've been watching a lot of interviews, and, um, even though I haven't seen the movie, I think that's literally called Woman Talking, uh, I think I say, uh, when I'm reading stuff more than any other time, when did I, I wrote a PS, so I have to go through, ah, um, Oh yeah, but longer form content still feels good. It's been fun to watch people talk. And because I was so into just like deep, uh, very deeply into stories and reading novels, like literature for most of my life. And I I literally hated dialogue, actually. It's kind of funny. Uh, That's something that I don't think I've, I mean, (laughs) going back to what I said earlier, where I don't like to tell people the same thing. I just realized I've never really vocalized this much before, but I hated reading dialogue, like, in books. I would literally skip it sometimes. I would flip through I my mom for, like, my birthday or, like, if I did really well in school, which I had to always. So I, I had straight A's almost my whole life, and when I had a B, there were issues <laughs> to, to belittle it, but that's beside the point. Um... But my reward for like straight A's or doing well at a swim meet would be to go to the bookstore and I could pick out like a book or two, but I would pile them all up. Anything that looked interesting, interesting, well, that was a weird lisp that I had. And I would flip through and I would sometimes just choose the book that with the least amount of dialogue because I hated it. I was like, this is so boring. People are just talking to each other. And now I'm watching interviews I'm like ah, oh, this is crazy that this the people converse that's wild <laughs> and I was so quiet for so much of my life because I was just like oh I'm just watching things unfold I don't know it's kind of crazy um oh but the thing the word the term I was looking for that um I'll probably pause in a second to figure out is I, I didn't know there was a name for it before, even though, like, I recognize it as a concept because we all use it if we're not deaf. But if you are deaf, you have no means of listening to this, uh, which I'm sorry, but do you want to? No, but accessibility is about still giving people a choice. Oh, God. I don't know how to transcribe things, but I could figure that out, actually. I think I do. My dad sent me something called send me a recommendation for something that does exactly that that like transcribes audio um okay anyway what was I saying oh it's like how you can tell audibly when like something near you is speeding up or slowing down not just like or if you're in a train like you can tell by how it sounds that something's like whatever or how right the the point is right now you can probably hear that I'm laying down because that sounds different than when I'm sitting up and that sounds different than to when I'm walking and just that kind of positional thing and I was watching some formula 1 videos or like explanation videos um the other day and it says that that is something that's an advantage to older drivers and that's why it's kind of not why age isn't as limiting of a factor in F1 as it is in other sports is because uh, some of the disadvantages of aging are countered by how 
even though it gets it diminishes in the how exponentially you better yourself at this word that I can't remember you're still always getting like a little bit better than everybody else at telling being able to tell when your tires are losing grip because you can hear a difference in the tire grip and just how that all relates but I was thinking about that earlier because I was on the train and I was like about to fall asleep uh, right before it got to my stop and I could hear the train slowing before I felt it because I can't feel the difference honestly or maybe I can but it's just not like I could hear it better than anything else and I was like oh what's that word so I'm sure as soon as I look it up now um we'll find it one second I'm trying really hard to find this video and it's kind of amusing how much further back it is than I thought just because like when something stays in the forefront of your mind or you're thinking about it longer or it's like I thought about it more recently than most of this other stuff that I've watched and so it then feels as though it's like novel content in my brain still uh which is fascinating but then it's annoying because I can't find the stupid video um okay did I just miss it I don't always trust YouTube also to correctly notify the stuff that I've watched because you know how if you hover over like the screen the video with your mouse it'll like start playing a bit of it it'll sometimes count that as though I've watched the video I'm just like I mean no uh but go off so where is this I was watching a lot of those GQ men's like 10 things they can't live without and I'm kind of I've watched them before like sat down to watch a bunch and I don't know how I missed the Eddie Redmayne one because I have always loved that man I trust him there's so few celebrities that I trust especially male celebrities but Eddie Redmayne he seems like a great individual yeah I have no idea where this oh. <laughs> the last thing I saw there's a video that's Max Verstappen casually trauma dumping for five minutes and 27 seconds because that man has had a tough life that's crazy Okay, I'm gonna find the word. I am, it's called Inner Ear Balance. It's from a Wired video that came out two months ago called Why the Average Human Couldn't Drive an F1 Car. And this, so Inner Ear Balance or Vestibular something. Wait. They use that inner ear balance or vestibular function to sense. Oh, just vestibular pu function. So using that vestibular function, I'm gonna, I'm, be ingraining that in my mind vestibular function but now you get to know what i watch in my spare time um anyway yeah using that young where was i coming from with that oh the sitting down yeah so that's one circle complete and the next circle was the idea of just like trying to quantify the who you are and any analysis or perspective isn't wrong, but it's always like a perspective is a reference to something else, something else, typically another person, typically it's all in reference to that person's lived experiences, which accumulate to their views and how they moralize the world, which is going to affect how they value you or your company. And 
then that goes to like, oh, are we looking at the correct graph? Because sometimes that is valuable for like a company if we're going to keep going with that example. Um, but blah, blah, blah. Bringing it back to people. What did I say in my email? I was talking about uh, the show My Name because I rewatched it because it's still, I would still say it's my favorite show that I've ever seen. Um, bum, ba, dum, bum, ba, dum. I should reread this on pause again. I've been abusing the pause function since I've finally been brave enough to use it. Maybe that's what he did to me. Ah ha ha. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to attempt to paraphrase this because for some reason, even though, like, I would never send any part of my friend's emails, but even though, so even though this is what I said, it feels weirdly personal for me to share it for someone else. Like, if this was in my own journal, I wouldn't mind, but because this was directed towards my friends it feels a little bizarre honestly um but i said just some quick thoughts as i finish rewatching my name long proclaimed to be my favorite show which i stand by while directly a show about revenge and how it can mutilate your sense of purpose it highlights the importance of meeting people that show you a different way i refuse to spoil anything but simply put i believe that's why stories are so important for people in situations they cannot physically be rid of a book or a movie can show you different ways of living that are so outside of yourself perspective or whatever we all have feelings and learn to cope one way or another we have the same feelings as each other but the differences in lived experience is what cause expressions of those similarities to occur when we meet somebody with a separate reality to ourselves we can shun them as most people do writing them off as wrong or we can see another way forward this in short is kind of like are you going to choose to keep living in the karmic circles you've been given you're going to reinforce your reality, or are you going to be open? Are you going to understand others? And typically, the latter is the kind of person that would search out those books or movies, and it's typically someone who needs to know that there's another way. Although, for the same reason, if you've had a really tough life, you could cling to it even more because you're like, that. surely there was a reason why my life was hard. And whatever stories you came up with, typically as a child or whenever those incidents occurred, it's kind of if you're going to look for help inside of yourself or outside of yourself. And even though I'm a deeply internal person, I looked for help outside, but in the, not in people, in stories. Uh, which is, again, common if it is people that have traumatized you because then it's like, why would I go to people for help? And even though people make stories or write them, it's still, it's felt differently, which I get to, I believe. Um... Of course, we can never replicate them, them being the stories, because the same experiences mean we also engage with information differently. Thus, like, you and I could bond over the fact that we love the same story, and that means that we might hold some shared value, but because we've had different lives, what we do with those values and the takeaways we have from the story, even if it's the same takeaways, we will apply them differently not only because we will continue to have different realities and different day-to-day lives, which means we could literally only apply it differently, um, but because in the first place, even if we were to like have the same courses every day, we were roommates, we were like we're attached at the hip, we would still do things differently because we've still been informed differently despite our 
related values. And it goes back to something that I've talked about often where like moral relativity is such a real thing. And it goes two ways where it's like, oh, like you and I could both be quiet in a social situation and you do it um, because it's rebellious because you come from a family that talks a lot. So you're by being quiet, you're giving them nothing. It's annoying. And to me, I'm like, oh, it would be annoying if I was talking. So to me, it's respectful. I like something like that. But it's so shared expression doesn't mean shared value and shared value doesn't mean shared expression. Um, doesn't mean we engage with, we also engage with information differently, but the hope is there just because you live the way you do. Um, sometimes I need to elaborate, um, but I reference flaws by Bastille and I say da da da, they were so real for that. Um, cause it feels corny to re- reference Bastille, no offense to their music, genuinely great, bangers, momentous stuff but it's just because it's kind of unfortunate that that happens that like art produced in a certain period kind of gets written off and it's because there is like they were quite cringe years in some way i don't know if that's a consensus or if it's because it was like peak millennial attitudes or if it's because that was like just like my ages of like 13 14 and those were awkward years for most people like most people in the world, those are your awkward years. So I don't know which part of it actually makes that feel quite so, like, uncomfortable for me. But it is a great song, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> but it's just, like, what I'm kind of trying to say is that it's precisely that, the fact, like, precisely the fact that we express shared values or have shared expressions for different reasons that we all have self-contained stories and that's what led me to value stories so much when I met someone that is a particularly good storyteller and why I'm so driven to I well for over the summer I really wanted to become more ENTJ but now I'm honestly I'm fine being INTJ but it was very helpful to me to try and practice that externalization um but because everyone's their own self-contained stories and so just hearing that and hearing other experiences, even though you could not replicate them, the point of understanding others or rather than understanding, just accepting others, just hearing them out so fully and embracing them, that you are like, oh, there's more for me. I'm not limited to what I have seen, to what I've experienced. Things can go differently. And sometimes even the knowledge that they can go differently, even if you don't want, like, you don't want it to go the exact same, it couldn't even if you wanted it to, the idea that it's different is enough. So it's like all of those differences are what make everything worth it, kind of, (laughs) you know? And so, anyway, I wish I was, I wish I remembered what I was, I was talking about competitive advantages in companies. And that's why both both the Honda cases, case A and case B, are important. Because if you need motivation, if you need to know that things can go well, you should look at the Honda story to feel, co- the Honda origin story from their perspective, to feel comforted. To feel like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing. It's so chaotic. And then you need the BCG to be like, okay, this is what you could actually do in a situation if the zeitgeist is similar 
and why you should always have change built into a company. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, and it's kind of, those are just both frameworks. And that's why you talk to people about different things. And honestly, don't think of, overthink it too much. I feel people are like, this is all of our first times living life. Nobody knows what they're doing. It's arbitrary. What you fill a day with is so limitless. It's so crazy that it it's so arbitrary. Everything is so completely, like, nothing has to be the way it is. The canon, misleading. Don't believe her. Um, innovation is typically just change. <laughs> and it's not for better or for worse. It's just change. Um, everything connected. Crazy. Wild. Um, yeah. Internal, external worlds. Thinking so much about introversion and extroversion. Um, very much going back to my little internal worlds. Having a great time. Still being very social, but relishing in it. And treating, like, now that I've learned how to, I've had my little extroversion practice so I can be comfortable with my friends and treat it as alone time and world exploration, but just like together. Because honestly, that's what I did with my best friend all throughout my childhood. Like, him and I are <laughs> two of the most introverted people possible. And my mom's told me that she would be, like, she would go into a room where we were playing and we would just be like giving each other scripts, kind of. And we'd be like, no, no, you have to say this now if we were like playing with toys or whatever. And then that's how we would kind of like riff off of each other in, with those games. And from the outside, no one else knew what was going on. And we were just so into it. And I'm just kind of, this is like the adult version. That's what hanging out with people is, having a conversation is. Um, but yeah. And because I guess that's how I treat it. Like I like creating things, having good conversations, even though it's completely relative and between two people but like it's also a collab like we're companies and we're taking we're gonna invest in a new technology together and you have to like understand the the operations of the other one you have to know the boilerplate because we all have that we all have like those are our personal arbitrary rules we all have to understand the admin that we have and you have to know how to engage with it and understand how things can work together. And sometimes you can't. No patented technology for you, baby girl. Um, why do I say things like that sometimes? I don't know. Um, anyway. Yeah. So that's, but that's just going back to, I think it was economic, the economics podcast where I was talking about how a lot of my friendships are new friendships, and so it's just all been admin work, essentially. Crazy that those are the... You go to business school one time, and this is the metaphors they leave you with. Okay, love beams. <laughs>